0: What is going on folks? Welcome to For The Record. My name is Alex and I've got a great show for you to kick off the NFL's week one. Let's call this the football edition episode. First, we're going to be taking a look at the Houston Texans, a team that's even going to need its own segment. That's how much crap has been going on with the Houston Texans this past week. Then we'll be reviewing my fantasy draft and sharing the reasons and opinions on why I chose the players that I chose for this season. I got a really exciting roster. I think it's a lot of guys who, in a PPR league, will help me win. Then we're also going to be looking at the Fantasy Minute like we do every week, where I share some serious fantasy advice in two minutes or less. And finally, I'll be finishing up this episode on a bit of a serious note, uh, discussing the longer-term effects of serious injuries in the NFL. We're talking concussions, uh, kind of inspired by the Andrew Luck situation and also what's been going on with Jordan Reed as well. But before we get to the show, let's make sure you stay up to date on everything For the Record by following the show on Instagram and Twitter at ForTheRecordSP. Links will be in the description super so Pack show today so let's get right to it cue the music let's start the show You know, the Houston Texans couldn't have been given a more perfect hand this season. Andrew Luck retires out of nowhere. That was the most surprising news of this entire offseason. Marcus Mariota and the Titans are completely imploding. And can't forget the Jaguars either, because they're about as up in the air as any other NFL franchise out there. But the problem is, The Texans are completely fumbling away, literally a gift wrap season where they're contending. Let's get one thing straight here. Let's make sure everybody understands. Jadavian Clowney should still be a Houston Texan. There's no excuse. Jadavian Clowney should still be a Houston Texan. The Houston Texans, right now, as it stands, have what, $36 million in cap room, which is the third most in the NFL this season. And then next season, they have $78 million in cap room, which is the second most in the NFL. Why was this team trying to do the franchise tag on Jadavian Clowney? Why would they piss off one of their best players, their second best edge rusher? Why would they do that? Why do you think that a team that is perennially Disappointing in the sense that they have competitive teams and they always fall apart at the worst times. Why do you think that teams are like that? Because they make boneheaded decisions like this. Like what this team did with Jadavian Clowney. That was one of the worst decisions this team could have ever made. Jadavian Clowney was supposed to re-sign with the Texans. Jadavian Clowney wanted to re-sign with the Texans. Jadavian Clowney liked playing in Houston. There was nothing for Davian Clowney that said, I don't want to be in Houston anymore. What changed was when the team said, we're not going to give you a contract extension like you want. We're going to franchise tag you. And then behind closed doors, they were talking about trading him to the Miami Dolphins for Laremy Tunsil. Tunsil. Yeah, Tunsil, right? Let's go with Tunsil. But what I'm trying to get at here is Loremi was... I mean, is, I'd say, a good enough left tackle. He's solid. He's instinctive. He's successful. He's found success in Miami. He was one of the best offensive linemen in the league, at least young offensive linemen in the league last season. But the issue is that when you don't have a team that can keep things that should be internal, internal, well, what's the saying? Loose lips sink ships. This team should have kept their business private, but what happened? A leak happened. And who caught wind of this leak? None other than Jadavian Clowney. The guy that they said, we want to bring you back on a uh, franchise tag. Well, obviously Jadavian Clowney's gonna be like, okay, well, I don't wanna play for you anymore. If you're telling me that you wanna bring me back and that this franchise tag is only temporary, Why would I want to play for an organization like you? An organization that I can't trust. It makes sense why Jadavian Clowney wanted out. And then the best part is that this whole thing completely fell apart for the Texans. They tried to play the sneaky game, to have their cake and eat it too, right? But Jadavian Clowney caught wind and guess who actually ended up having the leverage in this? Jadavian Clowney. Because one very, very important tidbit here, is that you can't trade a player unless they sign. And what did Jadavian Clowney not do when before he found out that the team wanted to trade him? He didn't sign. Jadavian Clowney did not sign his contract yet. He didn't sign the franchise tag yet. So, Jadavian Clowney had all the power so when he found out that they wanted to send him to Miami, a team that's going to end up probably getting the first overall pick in the NFL draft next season, it's going to be them or the Cardinals. Well, Jadavian Clowney didn't want that. He wasn't very happy. So then we have Jadavian Clowney going out. I believe reports were the Eagles, the Jets, the Seahawks. Those are the teams that wanted Jadavian Clowney. A lot of 4-3 defenses. Because even though Jadavian Clowney is listed as a as a linebacker, which he's certainly not, he's an end. He's an edge rusher. He's a pass rusher. That is what Jadavian Clowney is. He was drafted that way. I don't know why he's listed as a linebacker. Maybe it's a cost-cutting move by teams. Because one of the things that he really didn't like about the franchise tag is that because he is a linebacker, he loses out on $1.5 million compared to if he was an edge rusher or considered an edge rusher. So, thankfully, he managed to kind of control the dialogue between the Texans and what teams uh, could they, they could talk to to trade him. Think of it kind of like a no-trade clause in the NBA, but in the NFL, which doesn't really happen often. Usually players don't have leverage like that, but in this case scenario, he definitely had the leverage in this one. So, what made this a little more interesting is that the Dolphins and the Texans must have had a deal already done. They must have already had something taken care of. It was probably a clean swap, Jadavian for uh, Tunsil, or maybe Tunsil and a pick for Jadavian, Jadavian and a pick for Tunsil. Uh, but the fact that they probably already had that set in stone and then Jadavian Clowney is like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. We're not doing this. That is what right there what messed everything up. The fact that this front office could not keep their mouth shut, that is what messed everything up. Because then he gets traded to Seattle. Jadavian Clowney. A pro bowler, all pro, caliber, edge rusher, pass rusher. He gets traded to the Seattle Seahawks for a third round pick. Barcavius Mingo and Jacob Martin. Let me tell you my initial reaction when I saw this news. The third round pick, I was like, okay, maybe they got, you know, somebody decent with the third round pick. Maybe they got I don't know, a lineman, an offensive lineman. Maybe they got another linebacker. Maybe they got something, something that they could use, something decent, maybe a running back, right? Rashad Penny, maybe? And then maybe a future second? No, 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 no. Barcavius Mingo. Barcavius Mingo got nine tackles last season. Barcavius Mingo was a first-round draft selection a couple of years ago. You can't tell me that this trade was not just total trash. Barcavius Mingo was going to get cut from the Seattle Seahawks if he didn't get traded because Barcavius Mingo is terrible. So they replaced one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, Jadavian Clowney, with one of the biggest busts in the past few years in Barcavius Mingo. That's what you got, Houston. I am so sorry to all you Houston Texans fans who have to sit there and support a team that screws over its players to get crap Because that's what Barcavius Mingo is. I'm sorry. He's probably a really nice guy. He's probably a good guy. But his playing, he's not a good player. He's very, very bad as a player. Very overhyped coming into the league. He obviously did not live up to that potential. And then Jacob Martin. Who's Jacob Martin? Does anybody know who Jacob Martin is? Linebacker, right? Okay, great. They got a backup linebacker. Awesome. They have team depth now. Super helpful. None of this helps him. You know what's funny? Here's here's the really unfortunate part. They would have gotten a third round pick if Jadavian Clowney just left before uh, his contract was up, if he didn't accept the franchise tag. They would have gotten a compensatory third round pick anyway. Maybe 20 picks higher. Or 20 picks lower, I'm sorry. But they still would have gotten this third round pick. Who are you going to find in the third round? Generally speaking. Now... There are a lot of great players that you can find on day two of the draft. But let's talk candidly here. What are the odds of you finding a superstar or a star or a very viable starter in the third round? Midway, late third round. Not great. Not great at all. So for the Texans to have lost the former number one overall pick, Jadavian Clowney, I remember when he got drafted. For that, for a third-round pick, Barcavius Mingo and Jacob Martin? Come on. Come on, Houston. And then here's the worst part. The worst part is that if it just ended there, okay, horrible trade, bad move, is what it is, move on. (laughs) But it didn't end there. No, no, no. The Houston Texans still wanted Loremi Tunsil, so they get Loremi Tunsil and Kenny Stills, for two first round, two, not one, two first round picks and a second rounder. You know, <laughs> sometimes I just, I really wonder where they find the people that make the decisions on football teams, basketball teams, baseball teams, hockey teams, even soccer sometimes. Football, if you want to call it that. Where do you, who makes these decisions? Who says let's handicap our future to get Loremi Tunsil and Kenny Stills? The Texans have a deep receiving core. They do not need Kenny Stills. Kenny Stills is going to be playing for like third or fourth option in the receiving core. He's not their number one. He's not going to be their number one. He's not going to be their number two either. Maybe their number three. Maybe their number four. But that's it. Kenny Stills isn't going higher than that. Loremi Tunsil? Awesome. That offensive line needs the help. But Kenny Stills, what it, I guess he's just a sweetener, a throw in. But for two first round picks, two first round picks, you're going to do that? And a second rounder? You understand that in the first round, that's where you get your serious talent. Everybody who's drafted in the first round, unless they're a bust like Barcavius Mingo or Eric Flowers, they're generally, generally speaking, either a viable starter, solid starter, a star, or a superstar. It's very hard to whiff on a first-round pick. It's very difficult because it's all the very talented guys from all over the country going in that round. So what were they thinking? Why would they, after t- getting rid of Jadavian Clowney, realizing, hey, I don't know what's going on here. Maybe you know we might need these picks. We could probably pick up somebody good, an offensive lineman in the draft this offseason. They decide to trade both of their first-round picks this year and next year, and a second rounder for that for Laremy Tunsil and Kenny Stills. Guys, come on, Houston, you're smarter than this. I hope you're smarter than this. I get your front office hasn't had a GM, but you're smarter than this. You put that trade into Madden, doesn't even go through. <laughs> you put the Jadavian Clowney to Seattle trade into Madden, doesn't even go through put the sliders all the way up, guarantee you it still won't even go through. The Houston Texans are just screwing everything up for themselves. Completely. For Miami, great, incredible. They are literally the Philadelphia 76ers of 2013 in the NFL in 2019. That's what they're doing. They're doing a really great job of tanking, and I hope it works out for them. Hope they get that number one overall pick and get an incredible player next year. Maybe a Tua, if Josh Rosen doesn't pan out. Or if they were smart, trade down, maybe grab an offensive lineman, the best offensive lineman in the draft, get more picks, maybe another player. That'd be a really good idea for them. But chances are they'll probably draft a quarterback. Let's see what happens with them. And then for Seattle, that's great. Getting Jadavian Clowney, are you kidding me for what they gave up? In, even if they gave up a little more, even if they gave up a second round pick, are you kidding me? Seattle runs a 4 3 defense. What's Jadavian Clowney? Edge rusher, pass rusher. He's not a linebacker. Remember, he might be listed as a linebacker, but Jadavian Clowney is not a linebacker. Don't get it mistaken. And also, they have Pete Carroll. <laughs> they have st- a stable organization in Seattle. They have a team that cares about its players. It's not Houston that every season it's like, what dumpster fire do we have to put out this time? What emergency do we have to take care of this time? Are we going to randomly trade our second best defensive player? Is that what we're going to do? Jadavian Clowney's set up for success now. The Dolphins are set up for success now. The Texans? (laughs) Not even close. They still have to figure out how to protect Deshaun Watson. Loremi Tunsil, solid start. Great start for that. But last year they let up 62 sacks, which is what led the league in sacks last season. And you know what's funny? Everyone says that, oh, the Texans are getting better. You know, they drafted that rookie rookie offensive lineman. But answer me this. If you watch that game that they played against the Cowboys, who the Cowboys are, yes, they're definitely a top 10 defensive team in the NFL. But answer me this. To let Deshaun Watson only play half of the first quarter because he was getting sacked too much, getting rushed too much, getting hit too much, you know you still have a problem. You know you still have a problem, and you have yet to address it. Laramie Tunsil, awesome. What about the right side? What about the center? Laramie Tunsil can't play all five positions on the offensive line. I'm sorry. I wish he could. You'd probably be better off, but he can't. He can't do that. Then they still have their running back issues. I mean, Duke Johnson, I, I like Duke Johnson Jr. I think that he's going to be a great pickup, especially if he runs inside zone to the left, going right past big guy, Laramie Tunsil. He'll be fine. But that offensive line is a mess. They're not going to be able to, to protect Deshaun Watson. And then also, another very, very important point here is that this is a make-it-or-break-it season for Bill O'Brien. If Bill O'Brien fails this team, like he probably will, like he unfortunately will for this team, he's done. I don't see him ever getting another head coaching gig in the NFL. Maybe offensive coordinator could never see him getting another head coach gig. He has fumbled away a team that is exceptional at defense and that Offensively all they need is an offensive line. They have a great quarterback. They have great receivers. They have the best receiver in the NFL arguably. How how do you just every season screw that up? It's really difficult, but Bill O'Brien, you know what? Kudos. You do it every single year. You got a career record with the Texans of 42 and 38. That's pedestrian. With the team that you've had, with the defenses that you've had, you should have a significantly better record than that. And if this season you cannot win your division, you do not deserve to be the head coach of the Houston Texans next year. You do not deserve to continue screwing over this poor organization. Because this team, these fans, these players, this organization, they deserve better. They need a better GM. They need a better front office. They need a better coach. They need a better coaching staff, and more importantly, outside of Laremy Tunsil, they need a better offensive line, and that—that's if they want to finally be taken serious, and finally be the competitors, these Super Bowl contenders that everyone believes they can be and that they can achieve one day. But as a palate cleanser, to finally get this Houston Texans situation out of the way, let's switch to fantasy football. Let's switch to something a little more exciting, something a little more fun, something a little less aggressive. To give you some background, a little bit of preface here, I play in a 12-man PPR league. It's very fun. We do three wide receiver sets for starters and a six-man bench. So do keep that in mind when I do talk about my team standard scoring, so everything is like normal if you play in PPR. I'm going to break this down by position, so I'm going to, you know, QBs first, running backs, wide receivers, so on and so forth. So, without further ado, let's start with my starting quarterback, my favorite starting quarterback here outside of Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, Dak Prescott. That's right, folks. That is my starting quarterback in the 2019-2020 fantasy football season. Why did I pick Dak Prescott? Well, you know what? Dak Prescott, to me, I've always liked Dak Prescott. I think I've talked about him a few times on this show so far. I really like Dak. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just his personality. I don't know if it's his can-do attitude, if it's his I'm-always-ready-to-work-and-grind-and-do-this-and-succeed attitude that he has. But I really like Dak Prescott. And here's the thing that I really like about Dak Prescott this year, is he wants a new contract. He wants big money. Big money. And guess what big money means? Big money means a lot of stats. Big money means high-flying passing numbers. Big money means a lot of touchdowns. Big money can also mean a lot of interceptions, but I doubt Dak Prescott is going to be that guy who throws the interceptions. Dak Prescott is a quarterback who has been considered by so many to be pedestrian, to be average, to be a game manager like Alex Smith, but less than Alex Smith. I believe that this will be the year that Dak Prescott shows out and proves to every single person, media or nonwithstanding that he's actually a very good quarterback and can lead a team to success. And if he does it with the Cowboys, whew, talk about the money, because Jerry will take care of his players. Don't worry about the Zeke situation, Jerry takes care of his players. Cannot, cannot wait to see what Dak Prescott does this season. As my backup quarterback, drum roll please, Jameis Winston, that's right, Jameis Winston, when I took this pick, the amount of, for lack of a better term, slack that I got from my other the other people that I play with, it was pretty funny, everyone was like, what are you doing, why are you taking this guy, this is not a good pick, let me tell you another thing about Jameis Winston, you know what Jameis Winston needs this season, not big money, well, big money, but a starting job, If Jameis Winston does not succeed this season, if Jameis Winston does not do his job, sorry to quote the Patriots there, but if he does not do his job, guess what? Jameis Winston's never going to start in the NFL again. Jameis Winston is going to become a career backup quarterback and be looked at as a failure in the NFL. But you know who has a really big ego? You know who really loves themselves? Jameis Winston. And I don't think Jameis Winston is going to go out without a fight. So, he's my backup quarterback because I think that he's in the same boat as Dak Prescott, except instead of playing for money, he's playing for his career. And when you put somebody in a life-or-death situation, now, not comparing football to a life-or-death situation per se, but this is a do-or-die, make-or-break situation for Jameis Winston. And when you put somebody in that kind of situation... Their instincts come out. Their natural instincts come out. So we will see if Jameis Winston is that elite quarterback that he was drafted to be or if he's just nobody. If he's a nobody, no big deal. Cut him. Pick up Kirk Cousins. We'll see if Kirk Cousins can do something nice. He's still available in my league for whatever reason. I don't know why. I think Kirk Cousins is a very valuable backup quarterback. But we'll see what happens with that. Jameis Winston is my experiment here for backup quarterback. I really am holding out for him. I want to see him succeed. I want to see Jameis be something, do something, have have Bruce Arians take him and transform him into the quarterback that he should have been when he was drafted first overall. Moving on to the running backs, we've got my number one lead back guy who won me so many games last season, who I am so thankful that I picked up. Philip Lindsay of the Denver Broncos. Folks, Philip Lindsay last season, again, this is another pick I got laughed at for. Philip Lindsay last season carried me, and I mean carried me to so many of my victories in my league. Somebody like Philip Lindsay is somebody that people look and like, Philip Lindsay, what are you doing? But Philip Lindsay, believe me, he is a quality starting running back. They've got a pretty decent offensive line in Denver. They have Joe Flacco as their quarterback. Do you really think they're going to be throwing the ball that much with Joe Flacco as their quarterback? you really think they're going to trust that arm, Joe Flacco's arm? Come on. I doubt it. I doubt it. I see that team continuing to run the ball. And when they do throw the ball, it's going to be short, medium passes with the occasional long pass because here's the problem with Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco was bottom five last season for completion percentage. He was one of the worst quarterbacks completion-wise. He was down there actually with his replacement, Lamar Jackson. So, Joe Flacco, while talented in his own respect, he's a Super Bowl champion, is not going to be the guy that they're relying on to win games. They want to win their games on the ground. And you know who the lead back is? Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay is the lead back. And don't get it confused either. He's got a backup in Royce Freeman, who's very good, and a lot of people have him. I actually think one of the guys in my league drafted Royce Freeman. But Royce Freeman is not going to be starting over Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay is the starter. Philip Lindsey is going to continue to get that start, and guess what? Philip Lindsay's hungry. He's an undrafted guy. I go for mindset. I go for guys that people overlook, that people say, why are you drafting that guy? I go for the hungry underdog type of guys. The guys that are set up to succeed. The guys that are set up not to succeed because you know why? The ones who are set up to succeed? No, generally they succeed. The ones who are not set up to succeed, if they have the mindset, they have that dog mindset like Phillip Lindsay has, they will succeed. They will push through. They will rack up those points in a PPR league. Then my second running back out of the Houston Texans organization. We've got Duke Johnson Jr. That's right, folks. We're bringing it back to the Houston Texans. Why do I like Duke Johnson Jr.? Well, when Duke Johnson Jr. got traded from Cleveland to Houston, I said that's a great pickup because, God forbid, anything ever happens to Lamar Miller, they've got really solid insurance in the backfield. A couple days later, unfortunately, what happened to Lamar Miller? Tears his ACL. So now you have Duke Johnson Jr. as your lead back. Deshaun Watson can't throw every play. Deshaun Watson does not have enough time in the pocket to throw every play. So with that being said, what are they going to have to turn to when Deshaun can't get the passing game going? Their running game. And in a PPR league, when do you get points? That's right, per reception, per carry. So if Duke Johnson Jr. is averaging 20 carries a game, oh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have a very fun season with Duke Johnson Jr. Duke Johnson may actually show the Cleveland Browns, hey, you guys made a colossal mistake. I am the best back that you had, and now I'm playing for Houston. And now I'm helping Houston take some pressure off of its quarterback and maybe even saving Bill O'Brien's career, but I'm not getting into that. We just spent a whole 15, 20-minute segment talking about the Houston Texans. And then my final back, my flex guy, somebody that I really believe in, right? at least right now, The man, the myth, the legend, Dallas Cowboy running back, Tony Pollard. I can hear the eye rolls. I can see the eye rolls in my head right now of all the people. And I can hear the ugh by me just saying Tony Pollard. That's right. I was the guy in my league who drafted Tony Pollard. I think it was the 14th round. I don't see why not. He was on the draft board. Zeke's not playing week one. There's a very high chance that Zeke is not playing week one. So if Zeke doesn't play week one, I at least have somebody to to go with week one. And if he plays well, guess what? The Cowboys aren't going to be in a rush. And who are they playing? They're playing the Giants? Oh, that's right. The team that doesn't have a defense. (laughs) So you should, if you haven't, and if nobody has Tony Pollard in the league, you should pick up Tony Pollard. Because if he does well, the Zeke contract's going to last a little longer. Or the dispute is going to last a little longer. He's going to play a little more. And even if Zeke does come back, he's still going to play. He's still going to play. So then after that week that Zeke comes back, you can see, is he a viable flex option or not? And in a lot of leagues, I believe it's 35% of leagues still don't have Tony Pollard, at least on ESPN. Still don't have Tony Pollard on the team. So if you can take him, take Tony Pollard at least for this week. The Giants are not... I believe the season starts in Dallas for them, so that's going to be a very, very rough game for the New York Giants playing in Dallas in the season opener. Moving on to my wide receivers with my first pick in the draft, pick number five. That was where I was slotted. It's a very good pick. I like that pick because you just... You're constantly in the middle of the draft, even because we do snake, so you're constantly in the middle of the draft. You never have to worry about going 23 picks without picking. I took Tyreek Hill. I don't even have to... I don't think I have to explain that pick. I think everybody can understand why I took Tyreek Hill. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL as it stands right now, skill-wise. We're talking overall greatness, Tom Brady, obviously. Maybe even Aaron Rodgers is number two, but skill-wise... Pat, give me Patrick Mahomes. Give me Patrick Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers is a close second, if not a 1B to Patrick Mahomes 1A. But Patrick Mahomes is the most skilled quarterback in the NFL right now. And who's his number one target? Who does he throw to all the time? You guessed it. Tyreek Hill. Then my number two receiver. Playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Getting thrown to by my backup quarterback, Jameis Winston. Winston. We have Chris Godwin out of Penn State University. This guy is a huge, huge underdog going into the season. Last year, Chris Godwin started putting up numbers late into the season. It was kind of a mini breakout for him. And I think this year he's going to continue that because it's Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Adam Humphries is gone. O.J. Howard, solid tight end. But you need to throw to two receivers. You need at least two receivers that can catch the ball, that can be elite for your team, that can be good for your team. And who's number two? Chris Godwin. So I really like Chris Godwin. I like these kind of fast, borderline slot guys. I like Chris Godwin, especially in a PPR league. They're gonna be throwing short, especially early in the season, to get Jameis uh, kind of going, I think. So have Mike Evans down the field, yeah, it doesn't matter. Mike Evans is on somebody else's team. But I got Chris Godwin. I believe in Chris Godwin. I think he's gonna get a lot, a lot done this season with Jameis then my third wide receiver this pick I picked just because plays for my favorite team he was still there I he's the top target on the team so I had to go with my guy Robbie Anderson of the New York Jets this is an underrated pick Sam Darnold has a cannon Sam Darnold is going to be significantly more accurate Sam Darnold has Adam Gase as a coach who likes to throw the ball so why not have the number one target for Sam Darnold as your third wide receiver? It's it's common sense to pick up a guy that you know is going to get thrown to a lot in the PPR league. It's just, it's just, it makes sense. Don't know why he was still there so late in the draft, but he was there and I said, well, I'm not going to let him fault anybody else. Then I also picked up Christian Kirk out of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the thing with Christian Kirk, so... He was very good last year, right? He had Josh Rosen throwing to him, and he still put up good numbers. I believe he was always in the teens, like the 15, 16 points per game. But the thing with me with Christian Kirk is that I don't know how this season's going to go for him. He has Kyler Murray throwing to him, and I want to wait on Kyler Murray. I want to wait and see if he can A, even get the ball off with that horrible offensive line, and B, see if he can whip it down the field to Christian Kirk, who is technically their burner on offense. He's their fast wide receiver. And he's also got he's got great hands. I mean, he's kind of a possession guy, but he's really, really, really fast. So I want to see what we can do with Christian Kirk here. I'm gonna hold him off week one, especially they have a tough matchup. So we'll see what happens with him, but I I like the potential in Christian Kirk. I think that he can be a player that if if him and Kyler Murray gel at least at least to what him and Josh Rosen were last year. That's a good pickup, good flex option when they play a bad team, uh, or at least a team that doesn't have that great of a pass rush. Then I also picked up Deshaun Hamilton of the Denver Broncos, who my logic with this was pretty sound and pretty simple. Emmanuel Sanders, right, is coming back from a serious injury. I believe it was his ACL that he tore last season. It was the ACL or Achilles. When you have a top receiver coming off of that, you don't know how they're going to come back. Manuel Sanders is an elite receiver. He's a very, very good receiver. But you don't know how he's going to come back. Joe Flacco, you don't know how well he's going to throw down the field. You have an opening to at least take some of that pressure off Emmanuel of Manuel Sanders while he gets better. And you have a second-year guy, 2nd second guy in Deshaun Hamilton who can catch the ball. And last year showed that he's pretty he's pretty good. He's really not that bad. So I think Deshaun Hamilton is going to be fighting for the most receptions on the Broncos this season. And in a PPR league, we talked about this earlier, folks. How do you score in a PPR league by reception? So Deshaun Hamilton, if you don't have him on your team, if he's still available in your league, please do get him. See what he does. Let's see what he does this week. If you want to wait it out a week, go for it. But I really strongly suggest playing him, or picking him up this week. Maybe even playing him. Uh, I believe strongly in uh, in his potential, at least, and also the fact that they're playing the Oakland Raiders week one. So, do you really need that good of a team to beat the Oakland Raiders defense? Not really. So, I think he can pull off something well uh, with Joe Flacco this season, or at least this game. Then we also have John Brown of the Buffalo Bills. I had John Brown last season, and. I like John Brown when he was being thrown to by Joe Flacco because Joe Flacco likes to throw the ball. Obviously, he's a quarterback. But not so obviously because when Lamar Jackson took over, guess what happened? John Brown went from putting up, like, what, he had that one game was like 30 points to I think the highest he did with Lamar Jackson was 12 or 13 points. That's for a guy that I was playing every week as my wide receiver too. Come on. Seriously? So... I got really excited when he went to Buffalo because people don't think about John Brown. Nobody thinks about John Brown. Nobody drafts John Brown that often. When you go to a team who has a quarterback with a strong arm who likes to whip it down the field, albeit inaccurately sometimes, and you've got a wide receiver who likes to run down the field and is fast and he is known as a deep threat, wouldn't you pick him up too? Would I play him this week? Absolutely not. I'm not playing playing him against the Jets' defense. Jamal Adams is not going to let that fly. (laughs) That secondary is going to be ready for John Brown. But in the future, in a couple games, when they're playing bad teams, when they play the Dolphins, are you kidding me? John Brown is going to burn that defense. Burn that defense. Because Josh Allen loves to throw deep. And guess who his deep target is? John Brown. Finally, for my wide receivers, I know I feel like I have a 1,000 wide receivers. We have Demarius Thomas of the New England Patriots. I really like this pickup because what happened was that I originally drafted Ty Montgomery with my last pick. I was looking at Demarius Thomas the entire time, but you know that was right after he uh, got cut, right? And then I woke up this morning, it's Monday, and I found out that Demarius Thomas was re-signed because they put Nikhil Harry on the IR. And I was like, well, let's check the waiver order. And guess who was first on the waiver order this week? That's me. So I got to get the first first grab, first take at my pick for the waiver wire this week. And I said, let's use it on Demarius Thomas because I want that guy on my team. So I dropped Ty Montgomery and picked up Demarius Thomas because he's going to be very, very helpful with the Patriots. Josh Gordon is... Probably going to be their number one, Julian Edelman. a great slot guy, but who's going to be across from Josh Gordon? Demarius Thomas. So keep an eye out on Demarius Thomas. A lot of team, a lot of players didn't draft him. So if he's still out there, you might as well pick him up because he is a former superstar, star player for the Denver Broncos. So I think he can he can channel that with Tom Brady out in New England. Moving on to the tight ends. Luckily, I got the second ranked tight end in. Fantasy this season, Zach Ertz of the Philadelphia Eagles. Favorite target of Carson Wentz. They could have all the wide receivers in the world, and Carson Wentz is still going to throw to Zach Ertz. So that's really exciting. I've never had an elite tight end until the end of last season when I managed to barely trade for Travis Kelsey. But I'm super excited to have a full season with an elite tight end. Usually I'm playing tight end rotation, like it's Eric Ebron you know, Vance McDonald, I was literally just putting these guys, I had David and Joku for like two weeks last season, so I've always had that carousel of tight ends, so to have a guy that I can depend on week in, week out, really excited to not have to worry about that position as often this season. My backup tight end, I found, you know, it's funny, I found this guy in the 15th round, and I couldn't believe my eyes that he was still there. I understand this guy got hurt, I understand that they have a new tight end that Now, he's not new. He was there last year, but a tight end that has ascended sort of into that starting role. And they might be starting off the season with tight end by committee. But Tyler Eifert was still in my draft. He was still available in the 15th round. Tyler Eifert, who's a pro bowler. Tyler Eifert, who's a star. Yes, he had a very bad injury last year. But if Tyler Eifert can come back, if Tyler Eifert can play well, oh, ladies and gentlemen, We have two star tight ends to play, and if I'm feeling frisky, I may put him as my flex. Why not? Why not? Then for defense, I picked up the Chargers defense. I mean, that's just kind of a given top five defense in the NFL this season. Really like what I'm seeing from the Chargers. Their pass rush is great. Their safeties are great. They have probably, arguably, one of the best uh, top two safeties in the league, so why wouldn't I take the Chargers? They were available, I snagged them, I mentioned them in my last video, or the last For the Record weekly episode as one of my top defenses, so of course I'm going to listen to my own fantasy advice, and I did draft the Chargers defense. And for my kicker, I went with the obvious choice of kicker, didn't get to do Justin Tucker, but I picked up Harrison Butker, who is the Kansas City Chiefs kicker, And, ladies and gentlemen, if you know anything about the Kansas City Chiefs, if you watched football last year, you saw how often the Kansas City Chiefs offense scored every single game. And who kicks those extra points? Harrison Butker. When a defense stops, Patty Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and whoever their running back is going to be this season, LaShawn McCoy, Damian Wilkins, who's kicking the field goal? Harrison Butker. So Harrison Butker is gonna be a very exciting kicker to watch this season. I may just watch Red Zone specifically to see Harrison Butker play because I'm going to be getting so many points from this guy. And now it is time for my favorite segment every single week. We are doing the Fantasy Minute this week. It's gonna be players to keep an eye on during week one. As always, this would be the segment where I would be shouting out this week's sponsor, but unfortunately, we're going on week three of no sponsor. How could that be? Oh my God, it's okay, no big deal. If you want to be next week's sponsor, go ahead and send me an email at admin at bustpotential.com. The email will be in the description. Let's get right to it, not waste any more time. Number one, Tony Pollard. Folks, like I said before, the reason I drafted Tony Pollard was because I believe that he can be successful behind that Cowboys offensive line with Dak Prescott as the quarterback And with Zeke not playing, if Tony Pollard does well against the Giants, guess what? Tony Pollard is going to get more carries, even if Zeke does come back for the team. Number two, we're looking at LaShawn McCoy, who was recently just cut from the Buffalo Bills and is now in the Kansas City Chiefs. They're playing against the Jacksonville Jaguars this week, and that is going to be a very interesting matchup because who's going to be the lead back in Kansas City? Last year, they didn't have this problem. They had Kareem Hunt until late into the season when he got into that domestic violence situation with his girlfriend at the time. But now, you have LaShawn McCoy, you've got Damian Wilkins, and you got like seven other guys behind those two. So, we'll see which guy comes out as a lead back at the end of this week. But LaShawn McCoy, Shady, I think is a guy that you should keep an eye on because of the fact that if he does become successful, not many players own him in fantasy. So, he would be a great pickup to have. Finally, number three, we've got Derek Carr, quarterback of the Oakland Raiders going against the Denver Broncos. Derek Carr... Is on the verge of getting cut from his own team. He's gone on the verge of being a starter, going or going from starter to not on a roster, because John Gruden already doesn't like him. So if Derek Carr can connect with A B, can connect with that offense, uh offense on the team, he'll be okay. He'll be set, and he might be even a starting quarterback in fantasy this season. But we shall see, with week one being the trendsetter, the pace setter for Derek Carr. And on a much more serious note, I think we need to talk about something that I kind of find very important and slightly overlooked when it comes to the NFL, when it comes to football. The NFL has an injury problem. And now I'm not one of those people that says, oh, we should be putting in more rules. We should be blah, 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 blah. That just makes the game boring. I mean, players know what they're signing up for when they join the NFL, when they play football. There's that injury risk that is there. But what we do need to talk about is how we manage these injuries, how we try to prevent these injuries through means of in-game, just the players working better at not hitting in the head, right? Not lowering their shoulder, not going for the kneecaps, things like that. You have players that are way too talented having to retire Way too early, having to muster through this pain. Way too early. You know, I, I didn't want. To, I didn't think this segment was something I was going to do until I found some research and I did some research on just injuries in general in the NFL and how often they happen and the really lifelong effects that they have on these players uh, down the line. There are players who. I believe uh, the guy's age was like 53. He's 53 years old and he can't even, he can barely recognize his own kids. That's very, very sad. Why? Because of all the brain injuries, all the head trauma. That's incredibly, incredibly bad. CTE is a serious problem. CTE is something that Most football players, if they don't already have the early stages of development, are going to get it by the end of their career. You know, looking at somebody like tight end Jordan Reed of the Washington Redskins, right? This guy spends every single day when he plays during the season getting hit. He's a big guy. He's always constantly getting hit, constantly being dragged to the floor. Think Gronk, just not as physically imposing. Well, Jordan Reed has had a pretty fair share of injury because he's hurt his hamstring, his foot a couple times, his hand. But the most impactful one of all of these is the fact that Jordan Reed has gotten seven concussions throughout his career. How many years has Jordan Reed been in the NFL? Five. Jordan Reed is 29 years old and he's had seven concussions. He's never played a full season in the NFL. He's never played all 16 games because he's always hurt. Folks, one concussion is enough to start damaging your brain, to permanently damage your brain. This guy's had seven. Do you understand what this kind of damage does to a person? Over time, right now, they may not feel it. At 29, 30 years old, they may not feel the effects. They may just get headaches from time to time. Some things may be a little foggy, their memory might be a little weird. Okay, whatever. No big deal, I'm forgetful, I'm getting old. But in a few years, 10 years, 15 years from now, they're gonna start running into problems. These players are gonna start running into problems where they can't even recognize people that they love. They can't even remember what they were talking about five minutes prior. They change, their personality changes. The problem with CTE is that it makes your brain practically mush, is what it does. It, it, it basically devolves your brain into nothing. And it's sad because it's all brought on by these tough, tough hits. And when you're getting seven concussions, It's almost guaranteed that you are either dealing with it as we speak or will be shortly thereafter in the future after your playing career is over. And it's really unfortunate for Jordan Reed because he loves the game so much that seven concussions, multiple body injuries will not stop him from coming back into the league. Kudos to you, Jordan Reed. Truly. Like, that is... I I would never be able to do that. Never. 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 And I don't think many people would. I think by concussion three, I would have been like, I'm good. (laughs) I don't want to come back. But he is so determined and he wants to win. He wants to try and keep going, wants to feed his family, wants to make a living. Generational wealth is what he wants. And I get it and I respect it. But seven concussions, Jordan, seven concussions. I wouldn't risk an eighth because that eighth one could be the one that sets it all off. That eighth one could be the one that really, really screws your life up. Outside of just concussions and CTE, you have guys, I mean, look at an old football player's hands, right? A player who maybe played in the 80s, let's say actually the 80s is a perfect time period for this. Their fingers are sideways, all of them, all their fingers are sideways. Look at, I mean, look at running back Larry Zonka. He puts his hand up, Right. Literally just puts his hand up. I I saw it in NFL Films one time. His, I believe it's his ring finger is crooked. Could Just completely crooked. You look at defensive ends like the Purple People Eaters from the Minnesota Vikings, those very famous uh, defensive linemen. I believe that was also the 80s or late 70s, early 80s. Those guys also, they did a reunion for an NFL Films episode that I was watching. All their fingers, crooked. Some guys, they can't walk straight anymore. They can't walk normally. Why? Because they're in pain constantly every single day because they took a beating for 12 years straight. At least. Or average. At average, I'd say. It's very unfortunate. It's very, very, very unfortunate to see. And the fact that it's making guys like Andrew Luck, guys like Gronk, Have to retire at 29 years old, have to retire so early in such a promising career. I mean, Gronk, granted, I'd say he was more expired or closer to his expiration date than Andrew Luck was when he retired, but Gronk definitely still had some more in the tank. The issue was that does he risk literally not being able to walk? Does he risk not being able to put a sentence together in 10 years? to play another season of football, to win another ring. He's already got, what, three rings? He doesn't need another one. He doesn't care about that anymore. I think Gronk cares more about his life than he does about another football ring from the NFL. I mean, you I'm sure, I'm sure you've already seen the clip that, Scott, that went viral on Twitter from, I believe it was ESPN, when he was talking about how the night of the Super Bowl, he was crying. He was crying after he won the Super Bowl because of how much pain he was in. Do you know what it takes to make a six, seven man, 250 pounds, cry after winning the biggest championship in sports? American sports? You got to be in some real serious pain to break a guy down like that. You got to be taking some serious hits. You got to be so hurt and in such bad pain to be in that situation. And then pivoting to Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck's situation was just weird from the start. I mean, this poor guy was failed by his organization completely. The Colts failed Andrew Luck. They had a they had Peyton Manning and they had Andrew Luck, right? They replaced a great, one of the greatest of all time with another possible great. And they only have one ring to show for that. That's it. One ring. And they failed Andrew Luck in the sense that he never had an offensive line. He never had really a team around him until the very end. And guess what? Unfortunately, it was too late. Unfortunately, Andrew Luck got to the point in his career where he just couldn't take it anymore. He hurt his throwing shoulder a couple years ago. I'm sure you remember that. I believe it was 2017, 20, yeah, 2017 season. Hurt his throwing shoulder, had to sit out. Came back last season, put up almost MVP-style numbers. And then he just couldn't play this year. He just couldn't do it. He could not do it this year. And it's so, so unfortunate. Because Andrew Luck is so talented. And to see a guy break down that much because of injuries, it's just so unfortunate. And now, I don't have a clear fix. And I think I kind of want to do this as a throughout the season kind of little personal side research project, and maybe do one big episode, not one of the weekly episodes, uh, on these injuries, and just kind of share what, you know, I think would be a good path for the NFL to do. Maybe upgrading some sort of technology in their helmets, or in their pads, or things like that, or maybe better ways to play the game, but still make it exciting, because honestly, I'm not for a lot of these rules. A lot of a lot of the things that they do make the NFL very soft, right? the quarterback sack rule now where if you land on the quarterback, it's a flag. I mean, that's ridiculous. You're coming at somebody full steam ahead, and if you fall on them, you get a flag and they get all the yards. Come on. That's ridiculous. If the quarterback gets hit, the quarterback gets hit. Is he probably going to get injured? Say a 50-50 coin flip. Depends on where he got hit and what side he got hit. But that's part of the game. But The discussion should not be, how do we prevent injuries with rule changes to make the game not really the game? It should be, how do we better understand how to be proactive about preventing these injuries with our players making smarter choices on the field, not going for the knees, not going for the head, not putting their shoulder down into somebody's chest to break their ribs. That's what it's about. The NFL shouldn't be making all these rules and regulations for the game because all that does, the only thing that that does, the only thing that new rules and regulations do is make fans not want to watch the game because it's not the game that they love. It's not the game that they know. And it's unfortunate because it's either you do safety, right, or you do fun. It's finding and striking that perfect balance between fun and safety that is going to bring the NFL... Into the future, really, because if the NFL doesn't fix something, if football doesn't fix something, you already have declining rates of kids playing football. 10 years, 15 years, you may have parents that don't even want their kids touching a football because they know what's going to happen. So the NFL needs to do something about their injuries. They need to figure something out about how better they can take care of players, whether it starts with. Helping them with pain relief with, you know, specific things like uh, CBD with what Gronk is doing, right? Or if it's doing a new type of therapy for them, that's one thing. That's pain management. But preventative pain management by making sure that these players are educated and making sure these players are making smart decisions on the field and thinking and not just reacting, that is extremely important, because if they don't, we're going to continue losing guys like Andrew Luck, like Gronk, to these injuries and these concerns of, I don't even want to risk another injury again, because what's the point? Or we even have guys like Jordan Reed, who every single day have to go through pain because they've gotten hurt so many times because of such bad injuries. Just last week in preseason, Keanu Neal, he hit Jordan Reed in the helmet. Again, I... <laughs> I mean guys, come, at, a, at a point in time, at a point in time, there's some things that you got to do that you have to proactively fix. And rule changers are not going to do it because it's going to turn viewers off. And if you lose, lose viewers, you lose revenue. And if you lose revenue, that ruins the league. So if you educate your players... If you work with your players on better ways to hit, on things that they'll agree on, on things that they are okay with, that's better than having these new flags and these new rules that if you touch somebody, if you even blow on the quarterback, if you go on the quarterback, it's a flag. That's going to make you lose people. Don't, for the NFL, they should not be wasting their time on that. Educate. Make these men find a better way to hit, find a cleaner way to hit, a way that's not going to destroy and kill, practically kill the guy that they're hitting. If we lower the injury risk in football, but keep the intensity and the energy of football alive, we'll have something that parents will feel a little more comfortable with their kids, so we'll have great future players. And we'll also continue to have the league that we all know and love around for a long, long time. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening this week. I absolutely loved making this episode. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad that I got to talk about a serious topic, talk about something fun with my fantasy draft, and also break down whatever's going on in Houston. I thought that was a lot of fun. It was a great, great time. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, Please make sure to like, favorite, five-star, subscribe, whatever it is, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, do make sure to follow the show at ForTheRecordSP on Instagram and Twitter to keep up with the show and also even challenge me on some of my opinions. I like it when people debate me with sports. I like being called out on things if I did something wrong because it allows me to get better as a broadcaster. Hope you have a great week. Make sure, like always, to do something nice. Hold the door for somebody. Buy somebody a coffee. Compliment somebody. Just be a good person. It doesn't take much, and if we could all be a little bit better, it'll make the world a better place. See you on the next one. Peace.